I'm Stephen Adams. This is down to Doug. I'm, I'm miffed and peeved. That's not the words. What do I say? Hello, I'm Alex Sabrinas. I'm not miffed and peeved. I'm about to dunk. I'm not miffed and peeved. Hello, I'm Alex Sabrinas. I'm not miffed and peeved. I'm down to dunk. I'm Stephen Adams. I'm not miffed and peeved. I am down to dunk. Yo, this is PG and I'm down to dunk. Welcome to Down to Dunk. I'm your host, Andrew Schleich. We're part of CLNS Media, DailyThunder.com, and featured on Dash Radio at 5 o'clock Central Time, Monday, Wednesday, Friday. With me today is my good friend, Michele Barra. Michele, what's up? I'm really, really mad today because I was supposed to get my car at 6, and then the car dealer told me, well, I cannot give you the car today because I cannot change the tires and the tires that are here are not the one you ordered. And so I had to wait like one hour in the <laughs> car shop and it was absolutely made. I had to, I had to like talk to him maybe 30 minutes, say, I need a car today. I need the car now. You have to give me the car. And yeah. in the end it was, yeah, in the end I, I had the car. Yeah, that's, was not, that's not fun. Do they, have, do they have good coffee in your uh, car dealership? No, oh, no really? coffee. I just had to wait. Yeah, that's not okay. Yeah. We need no. some need some good coffee. The place the place I go to to get my oil changed. No one cares about this. Okay, um, <laughs> game two last night it was awesome. unbelievable game down the stretch. I mean the. You kind of get to ha- you got to halftime and you're like how in the world are the warriors within striking distance here? Like they didn't play yeah. well at all and they just kind of clawed their way in and they made that incredible third quarter run which is very warriors-esque. And then down the stretch Clay gets hurt. He like pulls a hamstring and he's out. And so <laughs> Now you're like relying on Steph Curry and DeMarcus Cousins. Steph Curry, who doesn't take a shot in the fourth quarter, Steph Curry. I mean, just, and they win the game. I mean, if you told me that the Warriors are down at half and Steph Curry doesn't take a shot in the fourth quarter, predict the outcome. And Clay goes down, predict the outcome. Yeah. You know, I mean, the circumstances were in just unbelievable. And then that shot that Andre Godala hit. First of all, incredible pass from John Livingston. Yes. To get him open. And that shot is like almost worse than like a contested three because it's like, hey, we we dare you to take this shot. And we we just don't think you're gonna make it. And he yeah. did. And it yeah. was just a back breaking. That was the game. That was the game. If he misses that, if that rims out. Raptors get the rebound. There's a chance for them to win the game. Uh, just one of the biggest shots, and like another reason why Andre Iguodala has been so pivotal for this team. And after the after the game, I text the down to dunk guys. Do you remember that? <coughs> excuse me. That the Warriors wanted Dwight Howard that summer. They were trying to trade for Dwight. Yeah. And when they <clears throat> didn't get him, their consolation trade was Andre Iguodala. I mean, yeah. it's just crazy how like. These little things here and there like shape entire franchises. Like if they had Dwight, I mean, this whole run probably doesn't happen. The Warriors don't become the Warriors. Like Andre Iguodala is such a huge piece uh, of what they do that if you don't have him and you have Dwight, who's a shell of himself right now, I mean, like this, all of this probably doesn't happen. Yeah, it was. A, let me see the detail of the trade. The three-team trade that will send swingman Andre Iguodala to the Golden State Warriors, guard Randy Foy to the Denver Nuggets, and a trio of expiring contract along with a package to the Utah Jets. Mm-hmm. That's that's a weird trade. <laughs> so weird. It's so I was, weird. I, I, I remember that um, that was the first year that I watched every single Thunder game because I, I was in the U.S. And so... It was very easy. And uh, I remember me thinking, why are the Thunder not trading for Iggy, mm-hmm. who is the perfect player to complement KD and, and Russ? I mean, I was thinking like Perk plus like two first rounder or one first rounder. Well, it took one first rounder. Yeah. It was 
like it was a perfect trade to make. It's it's insane. Anyway. It is. Uh, but yeah, crazy game. And uh, the Warriors just obviously need Kevin Durant, right? Yeah. Yeah, I mean, I had like a weird conversation with Fred this morning about the meaning of need. And I was I, I basically tried to say, well, saying that you need Kevin Durant, it's about the same of, of, of saying I need filet mignon with truffle every single day of my life. And then I, I realized that I was texting Fred. And so he said, of course, I need filet mignon every day of my life. <laughs> but but you get the deal. I mean, you need water. That's that's what you need. You need like yeah. any food. You don't need like uh, a fancy filet mignon every day. Would, would it make your life better? Probably. Would you make your life easier? Yes. If you have that Every day, probably you you are like well paid and 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 whatnot, but of course you don't need it. I mean, no. I, I don't know. Like, it's it's really a weird use of the word need. Yeah, it's like, like it's like asking if you need certainty in every decision that you ever make and everything that you ever do. Do you need absolute certainty on what's going to happen? It's like no, I yeah. don't. I don't need that. That would that be great. Yes. Like that'd be yes. awesome if like every business decision or every decision I made about my kids or whatever, I had complete certainty behind it. Like, yes, that would be amazing. But like you don't need that. <laughs> you don't need that in life. And Kevin Durant provides certainty. He provides absolute certainty as to what the outcome is going to be for that team when he's playing for them. He doesn't it's not it's not needed. Like they can win with that. They they won without him and Clay. And a hobbled Andre Iguodala last night and relied and on... Looney. Yeah, and Kevon Looney got hurt. Mm-hmm. What was his injury? It was a sprained uh, collarbone. Can you sprain a bone? I, I don't know. I think he basically fell really hard yeah. uh, after contact and and that was it. But I... Like I had a crazy day, so I didn't watch, uh, I didn't read uh, all that much into injury and post game, but... <clears throat> But yeah, live it seemed like a pretty hard fall, mm-hmm. and maybe a bone that in his shoulder that did something. But uh, again, um, not sure what happened there. But like back to the Warriors and the, and the need thing. Like it's great to see other players complement what the Warriors do, mm-hmm. and they need they needed last night a, a third and a fourth quarter like the one that the Marcus had. Yep. Like he was extremely bad in the first half. I mean, I, I, I like I, I was watching and said, "Well, why is he still on the court?" And then in the third and the fourth, he was great. Like Iggy hit a great shot. They played like I saw Curry and Dre play very good defense. This is this is what they need on a daily um, on a regular game. Like they need to play to their best to be the great team. And that 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 is what sport should be about like mm-hmm. being at your best in order to achieve the greatest of the success it's not like having the widest margin so that you can win even if you're not really trying because this is what kd gives you and and i'm not saying that the warriors were not trying against cleveland because like at times they were but in order to beat the the, the raptors without kd they have to try for 48 minutes mm-hmm. and there's no margin for error yeah. And the same goes for Toronto because Toronto had, uh, I would say, six, five to six minutes where they took good shots, but they couldn't hit for some like very weird reason. Um, and and it was not enough. Like if you have a stop like that in a game of the finals, you won't win a game. Like if you have KD, like you can go like probably five minutes without scoring then still win the game. Yep. It's It's insane. That you, you call that a need? No, that's that's not a need in sport. That's as you said, an insurance that you will win anyway. Yeah, it's it's a crazy conversation, and I'll be I'll be super glad when Kevin is not on that team anymore. We don't have to have these silly conversations about oh, it's just it's such beautiful basketball. Like, no, it's not beautiful basketball when guys are giving sixty percent because they don't have to give any more than that. Like that's not that's not what you want to see. Like you want to see guys. the efficiency, Andrew. Oh, now Kevin goodness. shooting sixty five percent effective field goal. Of course, like no one is guarding him, like like he was in a regular NBA team. You can't. It's so stupid. No. Okay. no yeah. uh, you know what's not stupid? Uh, 
is this the thing that we should discuss or our great sponsor? This is our sponsor, Blue Chew. So if you'd like to increase your performance and get the extra confidence in the bedroom, listen up. Let's go to bluechew.com. That's blue, like the color blue. Blue Chew brings you the first chewable with the same FDA-approved active ingredients as Viagra and Cialis, so you know that they work. You can take them anytime, day or night, even on a full stomach. And since they're chewable, they work up to twice as fast as a pill, so you can be ready whenever the opportunity arises. Blue Chew is prescribed online and ships straight to your door in a discreet package, so no in-person doctor visits, no waiting in the pharmacy, and best of all, no more awkwardness. They are made in the U.S., and since Blue Chew prepares and ships direct, they are cheaper than a pharmacy. Right now, we've got a special deal for our listeners. Visit BlueChew.com and get your first shipment for free when you use the promo code DUNK. You just pay $5 for the shipping. So again, that's B-L-U-E-Chew.com, promo code DUNK, and try it for free. Blue Chew is the better, cheaper, and faster choice, and we thank them for sponsoring Down to Dunk. No, but seriously, how great is that you don't have to go to the pharmacy to get this? Dude. You, you avoid the, the sandwich thing. Do you know the, sand, the sandwich thing? What's the sandwich thing? <laughs> Where you take like a very sensitive uh, med like uh, Viagra or whatever, uh-huh. and you take also two extra meds like bigger and the box is bigger and you put the Viagra in between so that when you when you give the the free package to the um to the man who like to, to the doctor there uh-huh. the like the other customer don't see what you're actually <laughs> buying so you're like sandwiching in between allergy medicines or whatever exactly exactly <laughs> yes yeah no hey guys no check out blue chew and no more sandwiches how about that uh, ESPN put out a mock draft today. Uh, did you see that John Morant had to have loose bodies removed from his knee? Yeah, yeah, I heard that. Yeah, that's not cool. Yeah, it's it's not cool. Um, I think that even campaign had uh, a minor procedure. Uh, oh yeah, like I, I remember. Draft, or, or just after the draft, and yep. we'll see how how uh, they they are both from Murray State, and they are both having surgery before the draft. And <clears throat> but that. It doesn't matter. So it would terrify yeah, me if I'm if I'm Memphis. <laughs> that would terrify me. I'm sorry. It just would. Yeah. It wouldn't terrify yeah. me enough to take R.J. Barrett, but it would terrify me. Yeah, you still have to pick him if if that is the direction you want to go. Yeah, uh, really, yeah, it's it's not clear cut. I mean, uh, I watch like clips of both, and I don't know. It's it's a tough decision. It's not the clear cut to. Uh, to me, Jamorant, because, yeah. and it's not even clear that uh, Barrett is a three, but, no. you know, I mean, we already discussed that, and mm-hmm. and that gives you more uncertainty, for yep. sure. Mm-hmm. Uh, I was wanting to go through the mock draft and kind of see where certain guys are that we've mm-hmm. talked about, that Thunder fans talk about on Twitter constantly. Uh, Tyler Heroes at 16 to the Orlando Magic. I think mm-hmm. that if you're looking at a mock draft today... I think the best one to look at as far as like information gathering goes, I think is the ESPN one. Uh, those guys are very, very plugged in. And so uh, I think a hero being at 16 might be quite accurate um, because he can just really shoot the basketball. I'm kind of souring on him a little bit more as time mm-hmm. goes on. Um but still, I mean, if he lasted to 21 and some of these guys weren't on the board, like you still take him. And he's more of a guy that maybe doesn't play next year but can play the following year. Um, mm-hmm. But still, interesting guy. He's at 16 to the Magic. Uh, our guy, Fiondu Cabangele from Florida State that we talked about weeks ago. And we're curious, mm-hmm. like, why is he so far down? Like, why is he at 35? Uh, he has skyrocketed to 17 to the Brooklyn Nets on this mock draft. So people have kind of opened their eyes to probably what Kevin Gelly can do instead of focusing on what he can't do. Like he's not a passer. He's not a guy that's going to handle the ball, but he is a play finisher and a defender. And so teams need that. And so he may be out of reach even for the Thunder, which didn't seem possible. You know, mm-hmm. we it seemed like the Thunder would have to reach for him. And now they would have to trade up for him, likely. So... Uh, yeah, I mean, 
he, I think he's extremely interesting as a prospect because of two things. A, we, we already said why he fits in the modern NBA. But also, I mean, he's the thing that we saw that he cannot do uh, may be part of the fact that, on his, uh, that he doesn't have them uh, as a skill. Mm-hmm. And part is he was playing in a very convoluted offense. Like FSU uh, win a lot, win big by playing defense. Um, if you watch like full games of Florida State, he was the only weapon on the court uh, that could provide any sort of shooting. And probably their coach, uh, the coach plan was, well, when Fiondo gets the ball, he just have to finish plays. It, it, it was not asked to create. Now, smart players will probably create a bit uh, even if they are not asked to because they have feel. And maybe Camigliela's feel is not that high. But, I mean, what we saw in FSU offense might not be the the, the full um, display of his of his skills because of the way they were they were playing. I mean, uh, they played like three non-shooters, maybe four. Mm. Uh, the only other shooter was Savoy, who was like a player that could play like decent defense but not... Um, not a great one, and so it was playing like ten minutes a game, probably. Mm-hmm. So yeah, I'm I'm really curious, and and he plays hard as well, and and it was part of a winning culture. So that that is really something that we should value more when you do um, like analysis, like like how his team did when he was there, because in college, if you have two good players, you are going to go far, and if you're not going far, something is wrong with the best players. It's not always true, but it but it is true. And the fact that Calvin Guerrero was the best player of FSU and they they did well in the tournament. That that means something. Yeah. I like him. If he's available at twenty one, I think that he's a that'd be a great pick for them. Mm-hmm. Uh our guy, Nikhil Alexander Walker, six six guard from Virginia Tech at eighteen. Uh, he he just seems like he's gonna be out of reach to me. I just cannot mm-hmm. imagine that. I mean, like if I'm Orlando, like I probably want him. Mm-hmm. Uh, the Nets, like why not? <laughs> you know, Indiana, <laughs> uh, San Antonio, Boston. Like it just seems like there's a lot of smart organizations picking right before OKC. Um, with the Nets, the Pacers, the Spurs, and the Celtics. So like they're gonna take guys that are good, you know, ahead of OKC. You would you yeah. at least think. Uh the, the Pacers did take TJ Leaf before, like Terrence Ferguson. Um, yeah. Which was very exciting for me because I'm not a TJ Leaf guy. Yeah, and they wanted to play. Well, if the Pacers suppose that the Pacers take Ferguson. Yeah. I think that the dream scenario your dream scenario comes through because there is yeah. no way, absolutely no way that Presti drafts. Um, oh, I forgot the name. TJ Leaf. TJ Leaf, yes. Yeah. Sorry. No, yeah, there's no way. Yeah. Yeah, there's no way. So who knows? Or they could have taken OG. Like, <laughs> it just, yeah. it blows my mind looking back at that draft in particular. Yeah. Like the guys that went. Before OG and Terrence Ferguson, I mean it's it's crazy. You look at from really like Bam at a buyout fourteen, like that's okay. Like Bam's, yes. I think he's good. But yeah. then you go fifteen through eighteen are just picks where you're just like really. And then you go nineteen through thirty, the guys that were available, it's crazy. So fifteen, Justin Jackson, who's blah in the NBA, mm-hmm. Justin Patton from Minnesota. Why? Never played a game. Never not yeah. played a game. DJ Wilson in Milwaukee has been fine in spots. Uh, TJ Leaf at eighteen. It's like, oh, really? Yeah. Even and, even DJ Wilson is far from being a contributor on a good team. Right. He didn't he play plays in the playoffs. Like mo- yeah. Mop up minutes basically. Mm-hmm. And then here's nineteen through nineteen through twenty three is insane. John Collins, Harry Giles, Terrence Ferguson, Jared Allen, OG Ananobi. Yeah. It's nuts. Yeah, and, then, and then Derek White. And then a couple of spots later. Kuzma's twenty seven. Wow. Derek White twenty nine. Josh Hart thirty. Yeah, that's that's crazy. If you are if you are going to redraft this, you put all those guys that we said from ten to twenty probably. Yeah. 
and you're looking back at the draft and you look at the we, we don't need to focus on 2017 but i think it's fascinating in light of what is going to happen in this next draft is that i feel like they're very similar like there's a few guys mm-hmm. that up top that i think that are that makes sense for mm-hmm. a, a lot of teams and then like the middle is like eh like they're young and they were they have the pedigree behind them and like maybe they can be a good player and i think there's a lot of these guys in, in 2017 too like Josh mm-hmm. Jackson at four, uh, Frank Nilakina at eight, uh, Malik Monk at eleven, who was like seemed like a slam dunk at the time. Yes, Luke Kennard at yes. twelve, and then you have the Donovan Mitchell pick at thirteen. Obviously, just an outrageous pick. Where would he go number one? You think in a redraft? Yeah, I mean, I think probably he, so. Yes. I think he probably would ahead of Jason Tatum. I think he'd rather have Donovan Mitchell. But yeah, and yeah, then, it's it's close. It's still close, but maybe like Tatum is still younger than him. Yeah, it's it's it's, it's two two full years. Mm-hmm. That that means something. And I like we talked a lot about how a mess OKC was this this season uh, in the second, like especially in the second part of the season, for mainly health mm-hmm. reasons. How bad Boston was, like. Yeah, you can argue that they have more, like, way more talent and, and depth of any other team in the East. Like, yeah. maybe now we're seeing that Toronto has. We, we didn't know about Siakam to start the season. We we, we even mock uh, some people about Siakam, but mm-hmm. like, the, they had they had like three to four potential All Star in in the in the in the roster, and they tempered the. Basically, they, they they stopped the development of Tatum, and they mess up to the entire chemistry. So I don't know if Tatum is worse than than Mitchell. Mm-hmm. I, I would still pick him first. Yeah, I mean that makes total sense. Like if Tatum mm-hmm. played for the Jazz and Donovan's with the Celtics, like we may feel it may, you you may flip flop that because you give yeah. you give Tatum all the shots, you give him the development and the coaching yeah. there and the the culture and the fact that they really don't have anybody else. It's a volume score, you know, like that, that could be a, mm-hmm. a much different situation. So, uh, okay. Back to the mock draft. So Nikhil Alexander Walker again at 18, that would be my guy. If he's available, I don't think he'll be mm-hmm. available. He may slide, but I don't really see any reason why he would, uh, Goja. Do you know how to say his last name? I'm sure you do. Um, I think it's Pitaze. Yeah, that sounds right. Something like that because you don't pronounce the e like in the American way, uh, so it should be Bitadze. Mm-hmm. Um, I like him, but like he does stuff that will be successful in the in the NBA. For example, he has a very very solid touch. He can shoot it. He will probably shoot it from three early in his career. He is doing that in the Euroleague, which is um, like two feet closer. Um, to the basket, but he was shooting confidently and he's a very, very good, uh, offensive rebounder defensively. He's a, like, he can be better in terms of, um, foot speed and quickness, but he has decent, uh, decent size, uh, well, good size and decent feel for defense. Um, so I don't know. I, I tend not to like European prospects like that because I, I fear that, um, they will adjust. They, they will not adjust to the physicality of the of the NBA. Uh, but it seems to be like it seems to be okay on that end. So I don't know. It's if the if OKC drafts him, I don't dislike uh, the the pick yeah. because again he has skills and he has shooting as a big man. Not a great passer, but can pass the ball. So he he can do a bunch of things. Uh, not like the best thing that is, I think, uh, that you can count on if he's in the NBA is offensive rebounding because he has very, very good timing. But I, I think that early on he will be exposed on the offensive end, like mm-hmm. quite a lot. You cannot switch him on guards and you cannot even count on crisp rotations for him. That was a part of uh, his issues on defense. Like he was always late rotating to the to the far corner um, leaving his guy open. And so those kind of stuff are kind of concerning if you want a guy that 
contributes right away. But if you want like a long term plan to to have a big man to develop, he might not be bad. Yeah, he's he's definitely interesting as a project mm-hmm. big to develop behind Steven Adams, where if you know, in a couple years you trade Steven for something, or if even mm-hmm. within a year you can develop Goja and see what he becomes. I mean, I think it's interesting because the Thunder have a lot of project wings right now. The Ferguson, mm-hmm. Diallo, uh, Deontay are all kind of project wings where like Ferguson is definitely less of a project than those other two. Um, mm-hmm. And there, you could draft another project wing in this draft, but I've, you'd have to think they were head and shoulders above at least two of those guys to me to be able to draft them. Um, whereas they don't really have a project big right now. And mm-hmm. may, maybe that would be something you could do. That wouldn't be my, like you said, I wouldn't be super excited if that's who they selected, but I would get it. And I don't think that it's like a wasted pick or anything like that. Like, I think he's a guy that could like under the tutelage of Steven Adams could develop into a very good player. Uh, he yeah, has all the tools. Exactly. And he played in the best uh, competition in Europe, which means something. His team was particularly bad, uh, but the EuroLeague, like, Having played in the Euroleague add to your resume and like it's not the NBA, I get it, but it's a different level than like a normal college. So if you play and he did play like he was not like a guy um, like Dragon Bender who was mm-hmm. barely on the court. He was starting for this team and playing against great team in his um, in the part of the competition where his team was. So that is a good experience to have and mm-hmm. um he's 19 like right close to 20 but it's it's he's very young and uh, a skilled big man who has a tree um is always attractive yep uh and then we get to 20 <laughs> bull bull is at 20 right now and it's seeming more and more likely that he'll be there at 21 and yeah. and he will be there at 22 and he'll be there at 22 oh. he is a he is the biggest boomer bust guy in the draft, probably. Like if he hits, yeah. you're talking about a seven foot three center that can really shoot it, that has mm-hmm. skill to handle, that has good timing to block shots. Like that's like you cannot you can't find those guys. They're they're not out there to just go get. But his injury history his lack of mobility on the defensive end like he's a guy you're gonna have to drop and the thunder don't do that traditionally uh Mm -hmm. it's just it's a it's it's a little terrifying if you're boston and you have like a billion picks like yeah take him and see what you can do if you're the thunder and you have one shot at this to get one shot at a rotation player I mean, what are the odds that Bol Bol becomes like a rotation player in the next two years for the Thunder? Like 20%? I mean, that might even be high. Yeah, yeah. So like that is something that you don't want to take a risk on. A guy that's not really that much of a risk is who they have the Thunder taking at 21 is Cameron Johnson uh, from North Carolina. 6'9". I talked to Sam Vecini about this. If you want more draft info... You could subscribe to the Dream Team podcast, Thunder After Dark. I talked to Sam Vecini for about 40 minutes and just threw like a bunch of names at him and he just talked and it was awesome. Um, yeah, but- and, and and like on that, I think that there was a thing that I don't remember if he said it on the pod or uh, brought it on his um, mock draft. Uh-huh. He, said this, he said this sentence about Paul Paul, the fact that he was 215 um, at the Combine. Yeah. Pa- and he started the season at Oregon at 235. Yeah. And he, and he, and he writes this. So either they took the measurement badly at Oregon. Yeah. Or he did not practice on his, on his upper part while he was injured. Interesting. In, in any case, being 215 at the combine is a very bad news. So... You don't want to put to put too much stock into muscle watch, but mm-hmm. the measurement are a huge part of the combine. Um, do you remember Rowley Hawkins? Yeah, Rowley. That- yeah, yeah. So he showed up at the combine with a twelve percent body fat. 
Yeah. And he was taken at 50, 55. Mm-hmm. During the season, he he was like a 20 to 35 pick. So the way you show up at the combine in terms of your physical strength and, and fitness is extremely important. If you don't do that, I would question your work ethic because this is the single most important thing that you can do before the draft, public, publicly. And then yeah. you have to work out. But if you show up there and you take the measurement and you are not fit, this is a huge problem for you. And it's it's like you are when you are in middle school and you do this silly exam that everyone passes here in Italy, like if you don't perform there, what are you doing? Like it's the only thing that you have to do. Mm-hmm. And for a prospect, like you have agents, you have guys that take care of you. If you want to show up, show up to the draft, that you can work out with basically anyone. And, you, and if you are 215, that, that is a huge, huge issue. And I think that that soured me, my opinion on ball ball, because I really value this kind of stuff. Maybe too much, but but it's a, it's a huge red flag for me. Yeah. And you, you hear things like he doesn't really love the game. Mm-hmm. You know, he's got the, the body for it. His, you know, obviously his dad and everything that's happened in his life has kind of pointed him here. But you hear things like he doesn't work hard and he doesn't love the game. It's like, oh my goodness. Like, yeah. Like, yeah, he's got great physical ability, but I'm, he's terrifying to me. The more I've dug in. Uh, he's yeah. absolutely terrifying. I would, I'd rather have Cameron Johnson, who's he's a lot older than Bull Bull. He's yes. twenty three. I mean, he's Cam's a lot older than a lot of the guys on the team, you know, that are on the yeah. Thunder. Um, he's six nine. He can shoot it. Uh, he's more of a wing than he is a four. He's a tweener. Uh, he's not mm-hmm. probably not strong enough. Uh, or thick enough to play the four for OKC. So he would be a backup to Paul George. Uh, he's a backup wing. And he's probably playing next year. He's probably playing yeah. 10 to 15 minutes for whoever drafts him, whether it's the Thunder or the Celtics or the Spurs or the Pacers. Or if he falls and goes to the Jazz, he'd probably play for the Jazz. He'd probably play for the Sixers, the Blazers. He's going to play. And so the only question is, can he defend? And can he be enough of a help on the offensive end that he doesn't take away on the other end uh, in his first year? And I I honestly don't know the answer to that. But he is a super smart player, and he can really shoot it. Like he he hit, was it 46% on threes on six attempts a game? Yeah. Like it's high volume. He's a proven shooter. And so if that's the guy they take, that's he's not my favorite guy in the draft. But, I mean, he's going to be better than Nader, you know? Like yeah. If, like, if you get to that spot and Burton is not a guy you can play yet and Diallo's not a guy that you feel comfortable out there yet and it's between he and Abdul Nader, you're going to play Cam over Abdul every day. Like, you just are. Yeah, I mean, this is all fair. And sometimes I am too harsh on on players that have a defined ceiling. Mm-hmm. Um, but there is value on, on players like him. Um, I think that he will be able to defend certain guys. The thing that I'm almost sure, uh, given the data that we have on him and the video that we have on him, that he, he will have a lot of troubles guarding the front end of a pick and roll. Yep. Um, and I know that this is a cliche. Oh, this guy is not able to to guard the front end of a pick and roll. Then it's it's not going to play for Billy. Um, I think that there is a real issue with his feet. Uh, like he's not moving quick and quickly enough. He can get better. Like I remember um, the first year of Alex Sabrinas athletically, he changed a lot during the first year. Maybe Cam needs a year where he trains in a certain way and he will improve. Um, He's not a bad defender overall. I think he has a good sense of where he should be, which is already something. Um, 
I, I told, I, I said um, two weeks ago or three weeks ago that I see on him, him as a taller Anthony Morrow. This is not fair yeah. because Anthony was really, really bad defensively. I don't think he necessarily will be as bad, but there is a chance that the effectiveness of his effectiveness on defense is closer to the one of Anthony Morrow to the one of, say, Alex Sabrinas, who was fine last year in the playoffs. Mm-hmm. Um one thing where he can give you something that you don't have today is the fact that he's able to curl uh, on a screen and shoot immediately. And that is something that you don't have. And you miss Abrinas uh, throughout last year because of that. Nader cannot do that. He's not able to run the screen as effectively as Cam Johnson is. He's really quick uh, in getting up a shot. And the shot is really high. So these are things that you that have value, especially if you scheme for those. So if you want to use him as a decoy, letting him run through screen, set screen for him, and using him as a decoy for other actions, then yes, I think there is a value on him. Mainly because, as you said, you can play him right away. And he will fit right away because if you give him the ball with three feet, four feet, he will shoot it and he will make it. Uh, I don't have any uh, concerns about uh, how his shot will translate to the NBA. I think he will be a 40% shooter, period. Yeah. And the Thunder don't have a pure shooter on their roster as of today. And that may change, you know, in the offseason. Whoa! It's not PG? Oh, PG. Yeah, yeah, yeah. (laughs) They do not. Let me rephrase. I I don't. They do not have a role-playing pure shooter on the roster. Whoa, whoa, whoa. You are treating Raymond Felton so (laughs) bad. (laughs) <laughs> I I will continue to do so. <laughs> okay. Um, on to the mock draft. Uh, Boston at 22, Kevin Porter Jr., 19-year-old out of USC, 6'6 wing. I don't know. Honestly, I don't. I haven't l- looked at him a ton. What are your, What are your Me thoughts neither. on him? Me neither. Okay. I have to. He would be a good. Uh, it seems that his stock are uh, declining. Yeah. He's falling every mock draft. Yeah, he was in the teens, and now he's way down here. That's concerning. It's concerning, um, but there are reasons why you you pick at 21 and not at 15. So maybe he's completely fine, but not as fine as you you should be when you are at 15. Mm -hmm. Um, I think that the sliding part is in, like, sorry, part of that is, your skills and part of, of that is who is who is uh, rising, like Kamengele. It's not Kevin Porter fall that yeah, that's coming is rising. And you you often hear whispers about this, this, and that. So you try to to shape your mock mock draft, and then you come up with Kevin Porter and say, I I didn't hear anything about him, so I'll put him like there. Mm-hmm. And the closer you get to the draft, the closer these things looks. So for example, um, Cam Johnson and Hero are close to the same spot where they were for in the in the last draft for Givoni. Uh, I think that especially Cam Johnson is Givoni's reasoning and not uh, a tell that he has. He knows yeah. that okay, he needs shooting and so he put the best shooter uh, in the, um, available at 20 there. Uh, I don't think that Kevin Porter is necessarily a worse player than Cam Johnson. It's just Givoni rightfully so, uh, gave uh, him to the Thunder because of the, um, of the shooting profile. Mm-hmm. I, need to, but I need to do homework on Kevin Porter because I, I'd lie to you if I say that I, I know how he plays and what are his numbers. And so um, I think that maybe next week we can, uh, we can do um, like some more. We can say more about him. Mm-hmm. Yeah, sounds good. Uh, Keldon Johnson project wing that we talked about six foot six he's he's interesting an interesting athlete that needs a lot you know going forward uh but it seems like he'll be a first round pick just out of the talent alone uh, matisse teibel at 24 uh we've talked about matisse a lot he's a super interesting player uh that if he was selected at 21 you'd understand why uh casey apala uh at 25 for the Blazers, you looked at some stuff on Casey. He's, he's, he, when you watch him, you're like, oh my goodness, that's a Thunder player. Like he's got crazy length. He's tall. 
He can handle a little bit. And his offense, every bucket he scored, I was like, that seems like luck. <laughs> you know, like that doesn't look like skill at all to me. Especially when he shoots it. Yes. It's just, it reminded me of like Jeremy Grant when he first got to the Thunder. Not yeah. that, not the handling part, but just like the way he scored. You were just like, how? Okay. Like that's, you're not replicating that ever again. Like you will never make that shot ever again. <laughs> And that's kind of like when I watch KZ, I'm just like, oh, man, like just super raw, a guy that you feel like maybe you could mold a little bit into a certain type of player, but he just doesn't. It's not there today. Yeah. And there are two things that really concern me Um, here. Jonathan says, uh, Jonathan Givoni says uh, he has shown flashes as, as a defender, as a slasher and perimeter shooter. I mean, I've watched every spot-up shot that he took at Stanford mm-hmm. and some of the free throws that he took at Stanford. Not everyone. I'm scared. Like, yeah. this guy would legitimately shot 20% for his career. I mean, I'm not saying that that will happen, but his shot is looks really bad. It would not be a shocking uh, outcome. Yeah. No, I mean, he will not shoot in the first three years of his career. Jeremy Grant... Uh, at Syracuse, has a had a much much better form. Yeah, and we saw when he started shooting the ball uh, at a decent clip. And def- def- like defenders are still still not respecting him as a shooter. So we are in year five of his career, and maybe next year he will get some attention from defenses. And I think that Casey. Um, could be like that. But the second thing that scares me and scares me even more than shooting is the fact that he's not physical enough. Mm-hmm. Like he has that body. He's two, uh, two, 10, two, 15, uh, six foot 10, crazy wingspan. He doesn't scream. Like uh, he he's involved in some pick and roll, pick and pop action, and he doesn't really make contact. On the defensive side, he doesn't really put his body onto defenders. And that really scares me because if you have that kind of body and you don't use it, there is some issues to me. Mm-hmm. And because if you are physical and you, if you have that size, I don't care about the shooting. Well, I care, but not as much. But in order to be a great defender at that position, you have to use your body. I mean, everyone sees how Draymond defends. Like he has his body on you every single second of, of, of the game. Yep. And that is the way you use your physicality. Is like smaller than KZ in terms of height, but but trust me, he uses his height at the very until the very last inch and he, all his weight. He's also way you. yeah way stronger. Yeah, yeah, way bigger body. I mean, KZ looks more like a guard. Like he'll look more like a guard in the league. He's six ten, but like he plays and looks like a guard. Yeah, you know. But still, I, I need you to see I need I need that you I need to see that you are using your body. Uh, yeah. Otherwise, your height is just something nice to have, but not extremely interesting. Yeah, his measurements scare the crap out of me just because they're so good. Yeah, <laughs> and yeah. it's like, oh man, like I'm sure Sam likes KZ. <laughs> I'm sure that he does, just because he yeah. does have and and you know like if you he believes in his coaching staff. Like he may believe that like, man, like KZ has like a way higher ceiling than like a guy like Matisse or, you know, Cam Johnson or Bull Bull or guys like that. Like he may be a guy that could end up being a great player uh, because we can, we can make him into that. And I, I would not, that, uh, that would not excite me. Um, but I would understand, I would understand it, but it would not excite me. Uh, Ty Jerome at 26, Ty is interesting for a lot of reasons. He's 6'6". He's a combo guard. Can handle a little bit. Really smart player. Can really, really shoot it. Uh, And he looks like American Alex Abrinas. Yeah. He is close to, in terms of how he plays, he's a better version of Thomas Satoransky, I think. Okay. Like a tall point guard that can play maybe two positions. Not very athletic because he's not athletic. Mm -hmm. Um... He has no muscles whatsoever. Right. He's super skinny. 6'6", <laughs> 194. 
Yeah, very, very skinny, and but he's extremely smart. He can yeah. pass the ball uh, amazingly well. He throws no-look passes, watch in one direction, passes in the other. He will, you know, who will pick Ty Jerome and we will all be extremely mad? The Warriors. He fits. If he went to an answer the Warriors, do. I would be livid, yes. Yeah, he will, he will go there. Like, <laughs> he is perfect for them. Yeah. He will just... Shoot the ball whenever he asks. He's asked to. He will move the ball perfectly, and and we will be all beef and beef. But yeah. to be honest, he does not fit what the Thunder wants to do defensively. Period. No, no, no. It's, it's just not what either Billy uh, reworks his defense again, um, or he does not fit, and he will not play. Yeah, I think. Um, yeah, I think you're right. It's not that. that it's not that he's not smart because he clearly is, but physically he's missing something. Mm-hmm. Again, I don't know um, he if he improved. Um, if he goes like before 25, I think that someone in the workouts saw some improvement physical mm-hmm. in, in terms of his physical um, fit and uh, fitness and stuff, and stuff like that. Because IQ-wise, he's great. I mean, put him in Cam Reddish body and he goes number one no questions asked. Well, number two, yeah, to Zion. But but we are talking like great vision, great shooting, great instinct on the offensive end. It's just that he, he's not an athlete. Yeah, he's not going to be physical enough. He's not going to be able to play this the switchy type defense. And you know, he just physically does not have the tools to be a Thunder defender. Which is but okay. he's a winner. He's a he's a winner. I he, like him. I like him a yeah. lot. Uh, if if you're the Hawks or somebody like that, like go grab him, let him come off the bench for you. <laughs> He's gonna yes. or the Nets, like the Nets have a pick in in this range. Where are they? Yeah, twenty seven. Mm-hmm. Like they should take him. Yeah, n- not against Dort. Uh, I don't think that this, uh, this will yeah. improve what they're trying to do. They have players that are. Um, I mean, they weren't shooting and. Yeah. Dort is, doesn't project to be a shooter. He projects to be a, a defender, extremely good athlete, good body and stuff like that. But but yeah, you're right. I mean, a guy like uh, Jerome can, can be uh, really helpful mm-hmm. for an offense like the one of the Nets. Uh, okay, two, I want to talk about some more guys. Both yeah. I really like. Both I would be happy if the Thunder took them. One is Luka Samanich. He's 19 years old. He's from Croatia. He's six foot eleven, two twenty seven. He's kind of a do it all type of power forward. Uh, he can pass it. He can shoot it. He can handle. He can attack a closeout a little bit. I I like him a lot. Mm-hmm. Uh, and if I seems like a reach right now for OKC to take him, but at the backup four, like he's everything and more that you would want from a Patrick Patterson. Um, and he's, he's 19. So he's super young. He'd be a project. I feel like he's a, a playable project, you know, for, for OKC at the backup four. Yeah. I mean, he is not an exciting player. I, I have to admit to you, and, and this will probably, uh, make, make me look uh, extremely stupid, but I, I didn't enjoy watching him as much. Yeah. Um, I mean, I see why he's effective and I see flashes of him being an extremely good shooter that can run maybe off a few screen or do uh, damage in pick and pop situation. Um, it's not Mirotic, but it's not very far from him mm-hmm. uh, as a, as a um, type of player that he can be. And Mirotic, Mirotic does not excite me, but yeah. I, 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 I see why he can be valuable. And he's not bad defensively, um, not necessarily. I think he has a lot of work to do. But he's not the guy that doesn't try there. It's not refined enough. He's not, like, strong enough, at least in the clip that I saw. But um, Veseni said that his body really changed. And he he was there at the combine, so I I fully trust him. Uh, So if he improves physically and he's able to show uh, the the same thing that he did in Europe, like shooting... uh, Dribbling the ball up court, uh, do some passing. We we discussed, um, I think last week, uh, or maybe I was talking to to someone else about, or you 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 talked about a Grant and and Siakam the, the comparison mm-hmm. you did uh, uh, yeah. Um, 
I think that he can have the same feel, not the same, but uh, closer to Pascal rather than to Jeremy Grant. He's a guy that can make a passing transition and can see the correct pass to do. And so there is value on those things. It's just not a guy that uh, will make you jump off your chair uh, every single night. But you, you, you don't have to do, you don't have to be like that to be picked at 21. Yep. Uh, last guy, and I text you, you're going to have to talk me out of this guy. Uh, he's projected at 32 right now. Uh, Grant Williams, power forward out of Tennessee. Uh, he's 20 years old. He is thick. He's like 240, uh, yeah. six seven. So he's not a he's not super tall. He doesn't have a great length, but he's got great size. Yeah. And he's he's a guy that I just feel like he's 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 NBA ready. And he's got touch around the rim. He's a developing shooter. It like you can't really compare him and Cam Johnson because you know Grant Williams. You can count to five while he's shooting a three ball. <laughs> uh, it's really slow, really really slow. Yeah. Uh, but the dude is tough as nails. He can score around the basket if he can be a switchy type defender. And even if his release isn't fast, but it's effective, like that, like. Of any of these guys in the draft, like if you're trying to draft PJ Tucker, like he's the guy. Like he yeah. can guard multiple positions. He can play small ball five. I don't. It's hard when you watch him at Tennessee to know if he can play the four or the three or the. It's it's hard to know if he could play on the wing. It's really really hard to know. It seems like the answer is no. It seems like yeah. his foot speed is too slow. But he's a guy that you'd play over Patrick Patterson today. You would have played him over Patrick Patterson this past year. Mm. Um, mm. I like him a lot. I think that he's awesome. And it's a reach at 21. But maybe you, maybe you trade back and get some kind of compensation uh, for the 21st pick and you you know get the, the 30th pick from the Bucks or something um, and you take him there. You know, but I, I like him. I, I like him a lot. I feel like he plays next year. I feel like he's effective. Um, I, I'm a huge fan. He's SEC Player of the Year. Uh, mm. Yeah, I think he's incredible, and he's smart, and he likes to play the piano. <laughs> well, that's a plus. That's <laughs> music. It, it's always a plus. It is. Um, I mean, I like him. Uh, I, I will not lie to you, um, but I'll try to play the um, Devils. Advocate? Mm-hmm. Is that something that you say? Yeah. Okay. yeah. Um, he he does not have uh, quick twitch muscles. Yeah. So he he will not be able to respond as quickly as needed uh, when matched to guards. And so if you have a guy that is yes he's big but cannot play the five under any circumstances because he's too small. Um, Draymond Green has the same height, but completely different um, body type in terms of how quickly he can react and how high he can jump. Um, this is the second concern that I have on on Grant Williams because at the combine he didn't perform that well in terms of uh, jump and and overall speed. Um, it's not terribly bad, but it's not good. And if you pair those two things and you want him to be a defender on the wing, you already are in deep trouble. Um, I don't know if he can score as well as he did because he posted like 1.2 and change points per possession in Mm post-ups. He will not be able to do that. And you don't want him to do that. You're not throwing him the ball in the post in the the league. No way. He, He has a very smooth jumper from the mid-range mm-hmm. do you want him to do that maybe <laughs> do you want to play for that maybe okay i i don't know i mean his skill set i know like everybody is... hates the mid-range but like no no, no 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 if you can have a guy uh, that can hit a shot in the mid-range yes. with the touch that he has like that that is maybe a shot that you want him to take i mean that's i mean jeremy started out taking those shots you know, and yeah. still takes them some. And yes. is it 
it's not the worst thing in the world. It's obviously, I mean, you're going to have to hit them at a high percentage for it to be worth it. Yeah. Um, and he can do that. Yeah, he I can mean. do it. I think he can do that. And if he can, if he can hit a corner three, I just believe he's going to get better. He's, he's not a finished product to me. No, that's, and that's he's, okay. And he works super hard. He loves the game. He's a really smart, smart player and a smart person. I don't know. I just, the more that I kind of dug in on him, I'm like, I, be, I believe that this guy is going to play in the NBA and he's going to be a rotation yeah. player. Uh, and I think he's going to be good. And he's going to, if he reaches his ceiling, he's like a starting forward for a good team. Like, and he's going to be tough and he's going to contribute and he's going to be productive and he's going to make the right play. Uh, to me, I just I really want the Thunder to take a high IQ guy in this draft. Like that's, I, that's fine. That's that's completely fair to to ask. I really because, want that. <laughs> yeah, I mean they can they can help you in so many ways. And yeah. and again, I I'm questioning this just because I I, I think myself that he could be a good pick. Mm-hmm. Um, and if you tell me that somehow. He can bully you in the post and be an and be an effective small ball five with Jeremy Grant as your four in in in, in certain situations. I may think that this pick is is a, is a bit better, but if you if you tell me that he will play alongside Stephen Adams, I have trouble to see that being effective because yeah. he cannot stretch the floor, and, and that creates trouble because if you stretch up to 15, 16 feet. That's not enough for Russell Westbrook to be effective. I think Kant so, is probably a strong way to phrase it, don't you think? Yeah, yeah. No, I mean, I think he it's, he has put he has the potential to do it. Yeah, yeah. I mean, it can happen. Yeah, and if if he's able to eat a tree from the corner and be the smart player that he is, and take smart shots and maybe moving the ball, who is something that he can do for sure. Then maybe maybe you have a thing, and he's yeah. a winner, which helps. Yes, yeah. So like with the smart guys, there's there's several available. Like Grant Williams, smart player. I think Samanich is a smart player. Uh, KZ not a smart player. Ty Jerome, smart player. Matisse Thybul, I think is a smart player. Keldon Johnson, nope. Kevin Porter, I don't know. Cam Johnson, smart player. Like there's guys in this range that are smart basketball players. Nikhil Alexander Walker, smart player. Please go get me a high IQ player. Please. Please. And also bring in a high IQ free agent. Please. Because this team needs that. Please. That's That's this this team needs smarter players that can do more than one or two things. Like you need guys that can shoot pass and dribble. And like maybe you don't get them in the draft, but go go find some other guys that can do some things that can make the right plays that you feel comfortable. I got, and I'm also looking for guys like who who down the road or next season or the next three seasons do you see as a guy that could play in the playoffs? Nikhil Alexander-Walker, yes. Bobol, no. Cameron Johnson, he's on the fence for me. Like if he can defend yeah. well enough, absolutely. Keldon Johnson, no idea. Matisse Tybel, yes. KZ, nope. Ty Jerome, eh, not for the Thunder. Um, and then other guys that, that I look at and that I know. Samanich, he's a wild card. He, it's possible. Yeah. Grant Williams, yeah. I say yes. <laughs> you know, like, yeah. I mean, we also thought, to be completely fair, that Deontay Burton could play in the playoffs. But and I don't, and who says that we're wrong? Anybody? The coach. The coach. <laughs> <laughs> the coach did not. Hey. As suggested. Hey, and I think that all the Thunder fans would, would be uh, excited for me to say maybe the coach is wrong. Like maybe he was just absolutely wrong. I'm just joking. Um, I think that, and he's a wild card, and like we kind of forget about he and Diallo a little bit. Yeah. When we yeah. look at the off season, when we look at the draft, like those are guys that have been in the system. Those are guys that this team believed in enough to give them a multi year deal. Uh, like they could be guys that could play, and that's when you look at wings. I don't know, like Deontay could be a guy. Like Deontay, he really, yeah. honestly, could be. And if you're watching out, one of his friends put on Instagram him hitting a, you know, 
40-foot three-point shot with ease. And so maybe he's just going to be a 40% three-point shooter this year. I don't know. I don't know. I'm 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 unbiased when it comes to Deontay. Everybody knows that. Uh, McKelly, I think we're done now that I'm going off on my uh, my fantasy world about <laughs> Deontay Burton hitting 40% three. Uh, thanks for coming on the show. We can follow you on Twitter at Mikey Barra. You can follow me on Twitter at Andrew K. Schlecht. Follow our podcast at Down to Dunk. Leave us a five-star iTunes review. Someone just left the nicest five-star iTunes review on Friday for us. Um, that meant a lot to me. Kind of just spelled out like how I've structured the week of podcasts and how they enjoy all of them, and like that meant the world to me. So if you could do that, that would I read all of them, I see all of them, so I appreciate that. Uh, it's really easy to leave a review. It doesn't take that much time. Uh, we do a free podcast, so it's really nice if you just do something for us. It's a simple thing you can do for us. So just take the time to do that today. Enjoy the rest of your Monday, or if you're listening on Tuesday. Enjoy it, and we'll talk to you guys again on Wednesday.